2: Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 96 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wiggin. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So we did a Mets heavy uh, pod last week, but I feel like we need to do a Mets heavy pod again because a lot has happened since last week when we recorded, um, because obviously last week when we recorded, the trading deadline had not yet passed. It was the week of the trading deadline, and now it is the week after. So there are some new Mets (laughs) on the team. Um,
1: One, technically. Two. The one is the new Syracuse
2: Mets. One is on the Syracuse Mets, but he's on the Mets. Um, the Mets acquired Javier Baez and Yay! Trevor Williams from the Chicago Cubs, um, in exchange for Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, so RIP to our, our woke King P- Pete Crow Armstrong. We loved him, but sadly, we no he longer traded. have
1: the Pete. I know, yeah.
2: um, PCA I- is a good prospect for the Cubs to get for the, that return. I think it's a pretty good trade for both sides, to be honest. Um,
0: I need to, um, officially apologize to Linda because I know, I know I I, yes. I hurt you when I, I did <laughs> um, somewhat coarsely call for the trading of JD Davis last week. <laughs> JD Davis My was indeed baby. not. Traded. I'm not. I'm not going to try to defend myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> merely that. Well, he even thought it though. Like there was yeah. an article today. I don't know if you saw the Tiscano article. About he was like I don't know what to do. Like he was at the ballpark an hour and a half before the trade deadline. He didn't know what to do. He was like, do oh. I go get ready? Do I do I go practice? I, like, I oh. hope That's it wasn't because he saw. I hope
0: it wasn't because he saw my tweet. <laughs> he's
1: he was probably like, Maggie Blaken thinks I'm traded. God damn it. <laughs> he saw <laughs> like, Maggie's tweet
2: and was like, better not suit up today.
0: Yeah, yeah he's like, like wait, oh, who is who is Maggie Mutuals with Linda Surovich. Hmm, definitely don't want to talk to her at all no like (laughs) yes
1: anybody associated with maggie's gotta want me gone and i don't want that negativity but in any case oh
0: and he just doubled in jeff mcneil so doubly apologetic on my end but you know i did think the second i pushed send on that tweet i was like oh my god how could i do that (laughs) (laughs) well
1: he did say that his agent notified him that Deals were discussed, but he would not go into further detail. Oh, geez. So,
0: I mean, you would have you
1: would have to discuss him in any deal. I mean,
0: it, it, it would certainly you know, it's a testament to him as a player that yeah,
1: he seemed okay he with he it. Had, I, I mean, think. yeah, it's just like- but he really, really didn't want to leave, <laughs> and we're very happy that he's still here. So, yes. yes, yes.
2: Twitter should have a feature where, so obviously, like you can mute. Certain accounts on Twitter, and you can also like mute your own tweet from getting like replies if it blows up or whatever. Um, I think Twitter should also have a feature where you can mute someone from seeing your tweet. um, Yes, like
0: on Facebook. Yeah, Um, like so. I think that
2: Maggie should have like shielded Linda from having to see. I would have for
0: sure taken that opportunity. I would just like (laughs) to say that I would have (laughs) utilized that. Um, because really, Linda, it was never about hurting
1: you. I know, but still, I, I, I died a little bit. I'm not gonna Piece of Linda's soul yeah. departed from her body. It did, and um, he didn't even play Saturday when we were there. And I was so I ready to like show my jersey to know that he still loved, and he didn't even play. I
2: know. He did pinch it. He um, did,
1: but he but... didn't see my jersey from there.
2: No, I know. Um, but in the end um, it's a I think it's a pretty fair trade from both sides when it comes to yeah. the Javi Baez, Trevor Williams for Pico Armstrong trade. I think, I mean, I don't know. I I, I, like based on my like very limited, um, you know, like scanning of Cubs Twitter, such as it is. And uh, we should have had Sarah Sanchez back on the pod. We should have her back at some point to discuss this trade more. um, Cause she can talk about it from the Cubs side. But I think there was a mixed reaction only because like, you know, it's, Put yourself in the cup, uh, shoes of a Cubs fan right now. Like it's really tough to watch your franchise players get traded one by one. Like, oh my gosh, well, half
0: the half the family I was on vacation with is from Chicago.
1: Oh, like,
0: all week long, I kept having to break the news to them. Oh no! Oh my gosh, she was like, "It's like they traded bias," and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, and, you know," and, and I was and like, "Brian went, you know, a little while ago," and he said. They traded right Like it was, oh my God, it was so heartbreaking. I felt very bad for them. It's but rough. very happy that we got happier bias because that was awesome. Yeah. I love him.
2: Yeah. Um. So I think the reaction from Cubs Twitter is mixed if only because like, you know, I think that, you know, and we we would be guilty of the very same thing if the shoe was on the other foot. Like, I think that when you look at Javier Baez objectively as a player, um, you've got us what balances out to be a slightly above league average hitter with elite defense um, at multiple positions, um, potentially flexibility for him to move to second base or maybe even third base once Lindor comes back, um, which is great for the Mets. Mostly the thing that's great for the Mets is that Javier Baez punishes left-handed pitch And the Mets desperately need that in their lineup because they have so few players who can hit left-handed pitching. Um, So in those ways, Javier Baez is a very good fit for the Mets. But, you know, he's not the hitter that Chris Bryan is. But Cubs fans will tell you that, you know, he's a really good guy. He could be the face of a franchise. And when he's hot, he has the ability to carry a team. But when he slumps, ooh, boy, does he slump. And he will rack up those strikeout totals. So I think Mets fans have already seen a little bit of that. So be prepared. I think that Mets fans, you know, the big trade acquisition they might be frustrated if he strikes out a lot but he will strike out a lot he does not walk ever
0: <laughs> it's nice that he got off to a decent start it's nice that he put a, put up a couple of dingers right off the bat no pun intended to you know at least begin his his Mets career on a positive note because yeah if it was if he was starting with like you know two straight gold sombrero games or something like that that would also be unsurprising but a little less a little less
2: welcome. And <laughs> Linda and I were there for his very first Mets yes! home. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yay. Not
2: to preview our walk-off win, but that was pretty freaking great. Um, so so- I
1: have now in my career so in going to the Mets games. I guess you can't call it a career, but I, <laughs> in my I call it a lifetime, career. I've known for a fact. I've seen Michael Conforto's first big league hit. I've seen Cespedes' first hit with the Mets. I saw Joe Panic's first hit with the Mets. Wow! <laughs> and now Javier by Panic City, yep. Panic City. Um, so and remember, it also took Cespedes a while to like hit his first home run, and then when he did, he didn't stop. So like maybe we can that can happen again.
2: We hope so. We certainly hope so. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm very excited that Javi Baez is on the Mets. He's a fun player to root for. um, And I'm very hyped that he's on the Mets. And the reaction from Francisco Lindor, um, the fact that the Mets acquired one of his closest friends in the game and the fact that he was so excited and the fact that, you know, there have already been a lot of uh, Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez hugs in the dugout as as, as, it's just the greatest content. And I'm just very excited about that from an emotional perspective. (laughs)
1: Well, and I think Diaz too, because I really think Diaz has been missing Lindor
2: uh, yes. behind him,
1: so yes. maybe Javier Baez can now kind of fill that role until Lindor comes back.
2: There were reports that there was like literally hooting and hollering on the part of yes. Lindor and Diaz when the news broke that the when you know they were told that the Mets were acquiring Baez. So that's very wholesome. Um, there was this graphic that freaking killed me. I think it was a, a from like. You know, some sort of—I think it was from the like Puerto Rican like baseball like Twitter account—but um, it basically tweeted like you know the the Puerto Rican Mets, and it had this graphic of you know uh, right up front, it's like Lindor in the coming to America jacket, and it's oh, and it's yeah. Bias, and then like a okay. big. Diaz right in the middle and then on the sides it's Seth Lugo and Tomas Nido. <laughs> so out of place compared to the other three <laughs> and it's so funny but it's That's it's awesome tough. it's very awesome we love we love our Puerto yeah.
0: Rican um well so. <laughs> and certainly you know some of the buzz was that it, Baez is seen as resignable by the Mets and that I think yes. is kind of the most you know exciting part of all of this and certainly makes it easier, not that it was that hard, but certainly it makes it easier to part with Pete pro Armstrong is, um, just that, that he could be around for longer and that would be really amazing.
1: So he would play second, right? Yeah. 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 I mean,
2: he did say, he did say like, um, I would, you know, basically move to second base if I could play beside Francisco Lindor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I think that's what the Mets envision. I, I don't know why there isn't talk of him trying to go to third. Third, yeah. Um, He seems
1: more suited for a third on this team anyway. McNeil
2: is a bad third baseman and a good second baseman. So I don't know. I think that the Mets might just have to kind of try it out and see which configuration works better. Um, Just make
1: him (laughs) A-Rod.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, But I don't know. I mean, uh, Baez has played third in his career, um, but not for a while, but the same goes for second. Like he also hasn't played second in a while. So like, I don't know if there's, when he said he'd move to second base for Lindor, I don't know if he meant specifically, I will move to second base or if he meant like, just as a general, like I will move off shortstop for Francisco Lindor. I,
1: mean, um, I guess you could also move McNeil to the outfield. Yeah, you can move him back to the outfield. and And in theory, if the Mets have that,
2: DH spot to work with next year then you know that that allows either Dominic Smith or Pete Alonzo to be the DH while the other plays first base and then that opens up potentially left field for Jeff McNeil I don't know.
1: Or with um, <clears throat> Michael Conforto is uh, not Those, there uh, anymore, walking away.
2: <laughs> you know that that also gives the Mets room in the outfield. Although I'd like the Mets to you know sign an outfielder, either retain Conforto or sign an outfielder. Although Conforto's struggles are a whole other podcast. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, well it-
1: Castellanos is available. He is. I think he's probably the top outfielder.
2: I would say, yes, I would have said before the season that it was going to be Michael Conforto if the Mets yeah. did not retain him. But that is yeah. probably no longer the case. Um, much yeah, to he's going to
0: have to go on an absolutely insane tear to be anything other than a mess in the offseason.
2: Much to the chagrin of Scott Boris, who we'll circle back to later in this podcast. Um, but... You know, the Mets uh, also in that deal they acquired Trevor Williams, uh, starting pitcher who is now in Triple A. He has not put up good numbers this season at all. Um, but you know, he is a de- he is now a depth option for the Mets as their starting pitching depth, especially with the continued absence of Jacob Degrom, who was shut down from fir- from throwing. So his injury that's the other big news that happened like right after the trading deadline. We learned that Degrom is you know his injury is more serious than we thought, although we don't. Don't really know the exact nature of it because the mri continues to show no no new structural damage that they can see but
1: although today know. he said it's something different than when he was originally shut down right
2: like so he that's just great keeps, we yeah, love that it's not good he just keeps experiencing this like forearm slash elbow pain but that but they don't find anything on the mri so it's like what do we do we're in this weird limbo like obviously he shouldn't pitch through pain and make it worse, but like we don't have something to treat because we don't know what the problem is. So that's not
0: ideal. And they also knew it before. And look, I'm thrilled. They got Javi Baez. Like that's a great pickup, but they needed pitching and except for Rich Hill, which I'm not going to count Rich Hill. Like they, they had, they had this information. They knew DeGrom was getting shut down and They still just sort of stood
1: pat when it came to pitching at the deadline.
0: I don't understand. I don't get it.
1: Excuse you. How are you just completely just ignoring Trevor Williams? You don't think he's the savior? Hey, look, we need our quorum of Trevor's.
0: Make no mistake. That's true. He he serves a lot of purposes on this team.
2: (laughs) And listen, like. I don't have a problem with them acquiring Trevor Williams. They should just no, also do
0: more than
1: that. Yes. They also
0: should have got somebody else.
1: Like well, people are like arguing like well who is available at the time? Well like make a push. Anybody. Like offer more prospects that you they wouldn't have. They
2: literally were in discussions to acquire Josh Donaldson and Kenta Maeda, and the reason they did not is cuz they didn't want to pay their salaries. Mm-hmm. So this mm. goes back to it's just I I hate it and and also I mean this was later you know this was later kind of not walked back because I don't want to make it seem like the initial reporting was wrong because the later reporting didn't contradict the initial reporting but the initial reporting was that the Mets didn't want to pay like the Mets are paying the minimum on Javi Baez and Trevor Williams they are not paying their salaries either that is a fact so the initial kind of thought was that well you know they traded a better prospect in Pete Crow Armstrong because they didn't want to pay salary. That kind of turns out to not exactly be the case because like the Cubs, I didn't read the entire article. So I am sorry if this is like slightly incorrect, but my understanding is that the Cubs like really coveted Pete Crow Armstrong specifically. And so like, it wasn't necessarily that the, if the Mets had paid down, more money that they would have they wouldn't have been able to the 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 specific deal that specific deal would not have been on the table then it would have been something different maybe um so like that isn't exactly a correlation but the fact remains that they are not they are not paying Javi Baez or Trevor Williams anything and they were unwilling to take on salary when it comes to their negotiations with the twins. So like that's frustrating and very Will Pond like um it's like you just take can on the even, salary and yeah, you could it, get Kenta Maeda, who's a well, better the,
1: pitcher than Trevor Williams. The Phillies acquired Kyle Gibson. It's like, couldn't you have called and inquired about him? That was Literally. after. Like, there was other deals to be made if you didn't, if you didn't want to go the Maeda route or the Barrios route and they like, didn't
2: even do they didn't even do anything to address the bullpen let no. alone not get a better starter than Trevor Williams they should have gotten Kenta Maeda and Trevor Williams and they should have traded for something like a Joaquin Soria these like type of you know middle relievers slash pseudo setup men are are a dime a dozen at the deadline. They could have gotten Ian Kennedy, like the Phillies did. They could have gotten Joaquin Soria. They could have gotten uh, Andrew Chafin, who's a, who's even a better pitcher from the Cubs. They could have gotten a lot of these guys were available, and they didn't get any of them. And the bullpen is, you know, like, the bullpen has held it down, like we've mentioned in previous pods, but, like, they need bullpen another game reliever. Has been their,
0: bullpen game has been their best starter all year. <laughs> Literally. And- yeah. And like they are starting to show that wear, and it's yeah, it you can't have too many relievers in the home
1: stretch of a season. You just can't. You well, can't. they picked up that rando that was cut from the Rays.
2: Yes, which they've been doing all year. I mean, that's yeah. what that's what uh uh Hartleap was. He was yeah, a castaway. But that's away. not a
1: plan. Like, but that's you, not a plan. You can't. Yeah, think. Dudes off the scrap heap are going to give you meaningful innings. I mean,
2: Hartley literally got let a game get away on Sunday. Like, these are the types of things. And listen, like, they were probably going to lose that game anyway. They're not hitting, which we can also talk about at all. They're not hitting at all. They continue to not hit, which has been their biggest problem. So, like, let's make no mistake. that The offense is the problem. But the real problem with the bullpen is not so much that the bullpen is bad the bullpen is good but when the problem is is that when you have so many guys in the starting rotation absent when DeGrom is absent when you have Rich Hill in the back of it um, and when you have Carrasco. You know, Carrasco who's still ramping up and you have Tyler McGill who kind of is like a five six inning pitcher you have basically a, a a rotation full of guys and Marcus Stroman who are five and dive guys more or less and Marcus Stroman's not that he will most of the time give you more length than that Taiwan Walker is inconsistent with how much length he will give you in any given start and so that's really the issue is that the bullpen is having to pitch way more innings than they're capable of and as a result you have you You often have a close game when you're maybe winning by one run or losing by two runs, a game that you could a game that you can conceivably come back in. But you have to pitch Hartlieb or Anthony Banda in in a two run game because there's no one else to throw those innings. So that's the problem is that you have guys that are way too low on the totem pole to be pitching high leverage innings. But there are there are too many high leverage innings and not enough trusted relievers to pitch them. And that's why you need Craig Kimbrell or, you know, Andrew Chafin. Insert any better reliever than Anthony Banda here.
1: You sorry Anthony Banda. I know. He and was the been, hero of that
2: one game. He was the hero of that one game. I don't mean to disparage the good name of Anthony Banda. Listen, Anthony Banda <laughs> did better than was expected of him. As, as has been the case for a lot of the bench mob slash back end relievers that they've cycled in. They have done their jobs. But the problem is, is that you like when your whole team is made of those guys, or when those guys are relied upon on big situations over and over and over again, eventually it's going to bite you and it has bitten the Mets many times already. Um, and there are and- already so many,
0: you know, you mentioned Taiwan Walker, and like there's a guy who needs like two weeks on the Phantom IL to just rest, rest shake off some fatigue. Yeah. Like, and, You know, maybe you end up at some point with a crowded rotation, but what a nice, what a nice problem that would have been to have to be able to like give these guys extra rest and extra time and keep them strong for what should be a postseason run. And instead, everyone's just going to be limping through September on fumes
1: because they just did the minimum.
0: Yep. I don't it's
1: even think they did the minimum. They just did something to do something. Yeah.
0: I mean, they did. I, I don't want to understate how valuable I think Javier Baez as a pickup was. I think in terms of like, you know, yes, they could have had Chris Bryant, but that still sort of leaves them in a funky spot for for shortstop for the next couple of weeks, hopefully. I don't really know actually what Lindor's ETA is right now. Especially like, now
2: that Guillaume's hurt again as well.
0: Right. But like, I think you really, the, the opportunity Baez offers in terms of shoring up shortstop, I think is huge. Um, So I think, I mean, I think that acquisition was real and important, um, but it's just, it's a job, not complete. It's, it's just not a finished job.
2: Not enough at all. Not enough at all. And I don't know how, I don't know how anyone watched this team for the whole first half and thought that what they did was enough um yeah it's just it's just frustrating it's just frustrating cuz you know they they should have built up and michael and i were just talking about this on our walk back from the restaurant this evening they should have been they should be okay they should have been okay during this stretch where they're p- upcoming that they're playing the dodgers the giants the dodgers the giants over and over and over again for like a month they should have been okay because they should have had like an eight game lead but they have continued to squander their chances to open up a lead on the NL East. And as such, their their margins are razor thin. They don't have room to go on a to go on a you know losing streak, which they seem to be
1: beginning a losing streak right now. Well and the NL East bought. They still thought they were in it. If yeah, because they were them, Yeah. If you had buried them, they would have sold. The Nationals sold, but the Phillies and Braves thought they were still in it. Because they, they are. Are. <laughs> because they
2: are because they are. Um, and listen, like, I know the NL East is bad. I know it's bad division. I know that the likelihood probably still says that the Mets are going to win it. And I believe that. But like bad, even bad teams can rip off six games in a row. Easy. Even the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Baltimore Orioles or pick whatever your favorite uh, second division club is. Those teams can easily win six games in a row because baseball is weird, and it's a 162-game season, and statistical oddities happen. If the Braves or the Phillies rip off like a six- or seven-game winning streak, the Mets are screwed.
0: It's over. The season would be virtually over at that point.
2: The Mets are screwed, and either of those two teams are very capable of it. The Baltimore Orioles are capable of it, and they're even more capable of it.
1: Like, if you win seven games, if you have a seven-game lead in 17 games, if somebody gets hot, things can happen.
2: We have experience with this, and the Mets have far skinnier of a lead than seven games right now. And they did nothing except acquire Javier Baez, which is a very good acquisition, and, you know, a, like, quad A guy. Quad A pitcher. That is not enough. They needed at least one other starting pitcher, preferably a better one than Trevor Williams. Like in addition to Trevor Williams, not instead of, and another reliever. That would have been a good deadline, but instead they they basically did half of what they should have done.
1: They were torn between Trevor Williams and Zach Davies. Zach Davies isn't good either. I don't know why you were so torn about those. Well, then they they chose Williams because he had the option. Because he had the option. That's literally the reason they picked Williams. But they're both bad. Sorry, Trevor, but Trevor is a good Twitter he does. So,
2: Miyamo Trevor.
1: You, yes. I'm sorry, Trevor. <laughs> but still, um,
2: but yeah, I mean, like, listen, I'm sure that Trevor Williams is going to make multiple starts down the stretch, and I hope he does fantastically. Um, and it's better that he makes those starts than Jared Eikoff. Like, absolutely. Is that an improvement? Yes. But th- that's not enough. That's not
0: enough. Yeah, better than Jared Eikhoff definitely should not be the, the plan, benchmark for any team with plans for the postseason it's like they
2: they should have made it so that jared eikoff has no chance of sniffing the big league mound again this year and i don't think they did that
1: (laughs) well they already basically guaranteed it right before the trade deadline they they knew they needed help and did nothing so it put them in this position and then they still did nothing yeah and it's like
2: it's frustrating because like the week of the trading deadline
1: game. They they literally
2: started Jared Eikhoff and that was literally, that was a forfeit. They might as well have just forfeited the game because they knew that they were going to lose by doing that. And they did it anyway, because they had no choice because they put
0: themselves in that position. And this could absolutely be easily, easily a one game margin for the division at the end of all this. Oh yeah. Like it's more likely to be a close race than a blowout in any regard. And like, so when you're not playing for every single game at this point, it is August, y'all. This is season this is, is it. rapidly coming Down. to a climax.
1: They could be it's, in second place by the end of the week if they don't watch their back. With the Dodgers and Giants looming. Yep, like this is,
2: this is frustrating this is times. It. This is it, uh, and they uh, they they half-assed it at the deadline, and it's very frustrating. And it's like it it you know it makes me sad because I don't want to like you know. i I don't want to like undersell my excitement about javi baez because like i'm very hype about javi baez like he's a great player i'm very excited we got him but like they needed to do other stuff and they didn't
1: step into the world of power loyalty
2: No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.
0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it was kind of a
2: banner week for the Mets because not only did they like screw up the trading deadline, they also didn't sign their first round draft pick. So we can talk about that now because that was an epic disaster.
0: It's okay. They didn't sign their their first round draft pick, but it's not like they punted the rest of the draft, is it? Someone hands Maggie a note. (laughs) I mean, now to take a big sip of coffee and look at the rest of their draft picks.
2: (laughs) <laughs> my my hand goes to my earpiece oh i am told they punted the rest of the
1: draft, <laughs> the draft. <laughs>
2: um so we got an email about this we were already planning on talking about the kumar rocker situation um but we also got an email about this uh so um tom johnson sent us an email saying i'm sure you will cover the draft especially not signing rocker uh but now i know you g- why you guys really post in the comment section <laughs> mason you? um but basically like maybe i'm wrong but I sh- shouldn't be surprised by the replies I, see- I received when I said baseball's a shitty business run and developed by shitty people with regard to the rocker situation. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and he-, he goes on to say like, I'm interested in your opinion about the rocker situation, what I believe to be a very effective campaign. Professional sports have run to get fans to side with management over players. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, because if you look at the replies of any tweet, calling out the Mets for how shitty they handled this count how many talk about how evil Scott Boris
1: is count them it's a lot or how Cohen knows what he's doing how does Cohen know what he's doing why are we giving Cohen the benefit of the doubt here it's ridiculous yeah I'm not sure
0: what he has done to I mean like he's done some good things but you know Cohen has not won any he's not won any postseason games he has not won a a title by any means he went hard
1: over at trevor bauer instead of george springer springer would be really nice right now yeah would be howdy um
2: but like listen i know and there are people that have said this and they're not wrong like cohen doesn't control the draft boards this wasn't his like you know his personal fuck up no this is alderson this
0: is sandy alderson's fuck up it is but he, A,
2: he employs the people that fucked up. Mm-hmm. So in a way, the buck stops with him. And B, if this had been the Will Ponds, can you imagine the screaming that people would have done for them to sell the team? If there was like no mm-hmm. sale in sight at the time and this exact thing happened, people would have been screaming bloody murder
1: for them to sell the team. Well, and he inserted himself anyway by tweeting about it. Yep,
2: and he made two terrible tweets, like two dreadful tweets back-to-back, which we can cover. Um, He's got to stop that? He really has to stop. Like, I'm not saying, like, I understand conceptually, like, when he bought the team and then he, like, he was online and, like, openness and engagement with the fans. Like, that's all well and good when you're tweeting silly things. Like, let's go Mets, love the fans. But, like, you can't tweet (laughs) things about, like, you know, you're, like, people as commodities and investments like that's
0: not no no thank you um but yeah, because that overlooks that ultimately look this sucks for the fans it actually sucks for the team because they had the chance to you know start building up some a real talent base going into the next several years but the person it sucks the most for is kumar rocker yep. who's this young kid about to about to embark on a, on, you know, the career path of a, of a lifetime, the, you know, for an exciting young team, like he had everything going for him. And now he has nothing. He can not get drafted
2: by another team. No? Yeah. He
0: can't get drafted. He might, I, you know, others in similar positions have gone to Japan or something. I mean, I imagine that's what he'll do. I hope he does. I hope his medicals aren't as bad as it certainly sounds like they are. But like, my God, that I I don't know how I I don't know how you go on after I mean you do, everyone does, but like what a blow for this young guy. It's just so sad. I mean you go back to college
2: and you get drafted next year, but like the way he's not doing
1: that, they said. Yeah, he's not. But um Yeah. So so, that's so like you know, there was so much excitement around him too. There was the billboard. Oh yeah. Like he was was ready to be a star and that just sucks for everybody involved. Like that, that just got ripped away for no good reason. Like everybody's saying, well, obviously the medicals were really bad. There was a reason why he dropped to the meds. They had some idea. They weren't blindsided, that he bad medicals. They knew. Right.
2: Um, So just to sort of back up and summarize the situation for people who aren't who haven't been following this um, intimately, um, the Mets uh, drafted Kumar Rocker, who is probably like been the most famous college pitcher for a while now because, you know, he was considered to be like a top guy um going in but then he fell to 10th um for you know reasons we've alluded to and we'll get into further um but the mets drafted rocker 10th overall in the draft um and you know he had been you know on on the front pages for a long time as being this like can't miss prospect and then part of the reason he fell to 10th is because his velocity sort of dropped off and like toward the end of the year things were not looking as good um but the, he so he felt a 10th, but the Mets drafted him and it was still considered, you know, to be a coup by most people who, you know, follow this stuff. Um, and they were going to pay him over slot um, for the 10th pick. Um, but then they failed to sign him because of his medicals, which came out later. So um, the way it works is that you don't have to. um present medicals or like submit yourself to medical testing before the draft. Some guys do anyway, voluntarily, just to say like, you know, cause then you're more likely to get drafted higher if you have a clean bill of health. Cause then teams can feel confident about drafting you, but you don't have to. Um, and Kumar rocker did not. Um, And Scott Boris's clients um, notoriously do not do this. They usually do not submit. So like, it's not like this Kumar Rocker situation is unique. A lot of guys don't submit to pre-draft medicals and most of Scott Boris's clients do not. Because if you think about it, why would you, if you're in the position of the draftee, why would you give up all the leverage that you have going into a negotiation with a team? You
0: know? I mean, the draft basically exists to take power away from young prospective players like that's the only reason the draft is there to Um, ensure that they have nothing to work with so yeah if this is the only choice they have to make then don't be surprised when some guys make it in ways that aren't necessarily convenient to you
2: exactly and i've seen a lot of like Um, ripping Scott Boris and ripping Kumar Rocker for being shady and not presenting medicals. Like this is very common. And also like the entire draft is designed to screw over these young people. So they're already like basically in a very vulnerable position. And they're by doing medicals, they're basically making themselves even more vulnerable. So I am not blaming Kumar Rocker or Scott Boris for a second for not presenting medicals before the draft. They don't have to, so they shouldn't have to. It is their right to not do it um so then the mets learned i mean we still we the public still do not know the exact nature of the medicals but the mets saw the medicals and decided Rightly or wrongly, we we do not know who, what the nature of his medical situation is, but the Mets well, got spooked by something.
1: I don't know if you um, saw the Toscano article where he said the Mets believe he could pitch tomorrow. I know.
2: So that's the part that's really damning. Yeah. So, you know, that was reported a little bit later, but all we knew, like, basically when the news came that he wasn't signed, was basically the Mets saw the medicals and they decided to back out. So... Um, they didn't sign him. Um, and so he's screwed now and the Mets, um, the Mets in return for not being able to sign their top draft pick, get a pick for next year's draft basically is the way it works. Um, but the
1: same 11th pick. I think.
0: Yeah. The, the
2: same pick,
0: um, the 11th, of pick.
1: course, you're not
0: generally going to get this potential talent level from an 11th pick. That was part of what made the draft so exceptional for the Mets, and you know, so the the ceiling that they're likely looking at next year is going to be lower than in theory Kumar Rocker's ceiling would be. Yes,
2: um this was like a generate a potentially generational talent that dropped to tenth
0: because of you know
2: unknowns of- surrounding yeah. his health
0: um, and money. I mean, I think everyone money. also that was certainly kind of the message going around on draft night was that like, Oh, the Mets got this opportunity because they were willing to go way over slot for over slot um,
2: and pay him more. And then they didn't. Um, So, you know, that is essentially what went down. Um, As Linda mentioned, uh, Justin Toscano reported that the Mets said that Rocker could probably pitch tomorrow. And, you know, he may go on to have a successful career somewhere else, but we just didn't feel comfortable. And so, like, that's not the type of language that you use if you think you've just seen a career-ending injury, like, immediately. Um, Which So that's, like, kind of in addition to like already being shitty, it just makes you feel even worse about this. Um, like the Mets, I, I we don't know if this is major or minor, but the Mets are not speaking about it as if it's major. And uh, for what it's worth, Scott Boris insists that he's fine. Like, and of course, you know, it's in Scott Boris's best interest to say that he's fine. I'm not going to pretend that Scott Boris is like, you know, the objective party in this negotiation. Um Scott Boris is going to do what's best for his client, as he should. It's his job. Um, but Scott Boris says he's healthy, so there's definitely, you know, a uh, two teams, that two uh, parties looked at the same exact thing and saw different things. Um, but you know, the the big like in the end, the big fuck up here, and like the fact that people are excusing the Mets for this massive blunder is ridiculous. Because if you t- if you talk to or read. Anybody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the draft, which we do not count ourselves among draft experts. We are not prospect people. We are not miners people. But if you talk to our own miners people at Amazing Avenue, which you should listen to from Complex to Queens, if you want to hear a much more detailed um like, you know, analysis of this whole rocker situation um, and a more well-informed one when it comes to the draft, you should listen to them. But besides that, if you look at what Jim Callis has said, if you look at what Kylie McDaniel has tweeted, if you look at what uh, Jeff Padinostro and Jared Seidler of Baseball Perspectives have tweeted, anybody who does this for a living, if you look at what they have said, the Mets have fucked up massively because they had no backup plan for Kumar Rocker. They went all in on Kumar Rocker and drafting him over slot, and basically saying we're going to give you all the all all this money, and then they didn't. Instead, uh, in the later rounds, like try to draft these guys who could sign for more than like their slot, or you know these kind of um, risky, I guess, draft picks that like are hard. So you want to wanna, sign. you want
0: to look for like the guys who kind of want to go to college yeah but you blow them away with a million dollar signing bonus and they'll they'll not go to college a lot of people <laughs> will decide not to go to college for a million dollars you know coming from someone who works in higher ed if anyone offers you a million dollars to not go to college take it take it right away your, <laughs> your first lesson but anyway but like They didn't do any of that. All they did was, you know, sign a bunch of kind of uh, guys who would sign for underslots so they could save up all that money that now they don't even get access to for the next draft. Like that is just gone. Poof. Right. And it's not like they have a
1: deep farm system either. Right. That they can afford to take
0: this risk. Yeah. No. (laughs) Mr. Steve Cohen himself mentioned on the Twitter, of course.
1: Not that long ago, that they needed to restock their farm system. Yeah, because everybody was talking about the Padres, and he was like, oh, Newsflash, the Padres have a deep farm system. How do you think they got there? Which everyone started retweeting after this, by the way, to be like, <laughs> <Yeah>. this you? <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> Like and and I'll I'll I mean I'll read exactly what Jim Callis tweeted after this um, went down. He tweeted, "Look what the Diamondbacks did in the in case Lawler didn't sign, Mets could have taken some players with high price tags in rounds eleven through twenty, which is what Maggie and I were saying. Like basically, you know, take these dudes who would uh, you would need to give high side sign- signing bonuses to in order to get them to sign. When Rocker deal fell apart, they could have used the money they saved toward him to pay someone one point two million. Not difficult to." To do literally any any competent front office knows how to do this it's a very like very common draft strategy to have a backup plan the Mets did not do this they just blew it all on Rocker and now that Rocker did not sign that money you might as well just flush it down the toilet I mean Steve Cohen could buy a nice piece of art I guess with it but like you can't use it to sign other players this year and you can't use it next year either so that that pool money that they wasted it they flushed it down the toilet and now they basically have no draft, like they blew up their draft over this and they didn't draft
0: like good players
2: or, you know, some of them might end up to be good. We don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: you really have to hope that one of the, the you know, early mid round guys surprises because otherwise it, it just looks like a completely wasted year. And the Mets have had plenty of wasted draft years before. Right. Um, and it's not a good thing. It's not what you want.
1: I well, mean, pretty draft. They- there's risk like right of course like everybody especially with pitchers and but tommy john like let's say he doesn't need tommy john we don't know but that seems to be like the big fear out there but that's not like plenty of players have come back from it
2: and it's very common for draftees to sign who they who the team knows they need Tommy John. Yes, and they that happened this draft. That happened this draft. The Blue Jays took a guy who needs Tommy John, and they knew that because he was I think he was one of the guy that guys that did pre draft medicals. They knew he needed Tommy John, they signed him anyway. The Mets signed J T. Ginn. Yep, he needed Tommy John. Like the, the Mets even have a history of
0: this. Um, and it makes sense, you know, the recovery for Tommy John is very well understood at this point. And, you know, when you have that, you are able to make a pretty good assessment of a player's worth, whether or not they need Tommy John, it's, you know, you're still making the same basic estimates. I just, I don't know, There must've been something worse because otherwise there's just no understanding it at all.
2: And people, yeah, I mean, people keep saying that like, oh, because, you know, because we know all this about Tommy John and because teams routinely sign players who need Tommy John, it must have been something worse. And on one hand, like, yeah, that's the default that you want to believe. But on the other hand, the Mets, like, why are we giving them
1: credit for this?
2: Like, I, I I think I tweeted this. I got a ton of shit for it. But, like, I'm sorry. I'm not taking it back. Like, your default position is really to believe that because the Mets say a player is injured, it's true. <laughs> you trust the Mets' medical evaluation of something? Since when? This is yeah. the same
1: team that played McNeil on a bad hamstring with just a cramp.
2: Like gestures wildly at everything the Mets have ever done when it comes to injuries, like, are you serious? I don't trust their evaluation of anything, and then the counter argument is always, well, the alternative is that you have to trust Scott Boris at his word. It's like, well, no, the alternative is that you say you admit that you don't know enough information to draw conclusions, <laughs> which we do yeah, not
1: pretty much well like, so after the whole debacle with the trade deadline why are we giving them the benefit of the doubt of anything even the offseason was a debacle so why are we giving they them-
2: they came close to the and we don't talk about enough they came close to the 11th hour of not extending Lindor
1: they were and signing close. Trevor Bauer and signing yeah. Trevor Bauer. we have talked about holiday. that a lot but it's yeah. yeah so we could not have Lindor next year and have Trevor Bauer There was the both were like could have gone either way at one point on many occasions have
0: the Mets failed luckily. And that is like, they lucked out with Trevor Bauer. They lucked out with Cespedes in 2015. You know, it's, it's easy to look at the Mets and not really necessarily see a lucky team, but there's a lot of close calls that they have had in recent years
1: and yes i kind of agree with that but because they were so focused on trevor bauer they nailed him as their guy that he was the guy they were going to spend their money on and blow past the luxury tax they ignored everybody else
0: right but it it was sheer luck that they didn't
1: also get stuck
0: with trevor bauer yeah right
2: correct they fell
0: ass-backwards into yeah having to do with They had unintentional addition by subtraction. But they
1: Literally. could have, at least, you know, if you identified him as your guy, you could have still signed Springer and then still gone after Trevor Bauer if you were that serious about going over the tax threshold, which Cohen said was not a problem, but I have yet to see it.
2: And I have yet to see evidence of that given his trading deadline where yeah, he didn't want to take on
1: money. Take money. So everybody's like, oh yeah, he'll do it. What, how?
2: There is how? literally no evidence that he's willing to do that yet. No, I mean, just he because might. he said it.
0: I won't believe that he'll do that until it happens. Until and it happens, under, which
2: it might. There's, might.
0: There is an argument to be made that because the tax goes up each consecutive year that you surpass it, that staying under for one year has more value than just... The tax of that year um so i think it really comes down to what happens next year it's going to be really hard to stay under the tax for next year um yes. if for no other reason then robinson cano's money is back on the books that's yeah. correct um so i think, I think that- they have to really prove what do they do that that they're not that their hands are not tied by by the luxury tax and there's just no way for them to convince us otherwise until it actually happens.
2: And I mean, I think there's a non-zero chance and the chance that you prove that you're serious about this, there's a non-zero chance that they will simply cut Robinson Cano. And that's, uh, that's an indicator to me that you are not, not as concerned about money as the previous regime would have been where they would have never cut Robinson Cano in this situation because he makes too much money. But if they just say, meh, And they cut him. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, bring him to spring training. There's no harm in that to see if he's got anything left at age 40 after taking a whole year off. Sure. And a bunch of
0: steroids. And a
2: bunch (laughs) of steroids. Sure. I mean, hope that he's roiding again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like, but like, no, Keep it low-key this time, bud.
2: <laughs> hope that he's roiding again because then he's either good or he gets caught and then he's, you, don't you have know, to pay you're him. Not a Scotso for his money anyway. So, obviously, <laughs> that's what the vet's got a hope for, that he just roids again. But that's Actually, this is
0: something that I've said before about the problem with the, the um, steroid rules as written is that teams are absolutely incentivized to sneak steroids into yeah, sure. their aging stars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually like a major incentive that they have. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, probably deadly. not happening.
2: Um, so Yeah, and to loop this all back to to Tom's initial email regarding you know the way that we are conditioned to side with management over players at all times, there is nothing that demonstrates this more than the rocker situation and the way that Scott Boris is immediately demonized for doing his job. Now, I'm not saying that you know like Scott Boris and I would be BFFs if we knew each other in real life. I'm not pretending that. Yeah, like I'm not pretending that he's probably not an asshole, but like he's just good at his job and that makes really good at his job and that makes fans mad because they they all want to play armchair gm and so scott boris has become their like number one enemy when all he's doing is just getting his clients some coin which is his job and he's good at it i'm sorry i know that makes you mad but like i'm not the one like scott boris is like i mean he's not off the list entirely but he's like very far down the list of people I'm mad at about the Kumar Rocker situation number one on that list is Sandy Alderson
1: mm-hmm.
2: one mm-hmm. I am sick to death of Sandy Alderson I want him out of my face I'm sorry at this point he's no like, he's he's making so all many all over everything that has pissed me off about the
0: Mets for the past few years he I, I feel like there. are he had some good things going several years ago, working in a very different environment. And now it's just like careless mistake after careless mistake. Um, also not so careless mistake, whatever culture he is fostering that has led to, I, I have lost track of the number of sexual harassers that have been involved exactly. in the, or it, like it's, it's, you know, officially a pattern um no he he's he's got to go at the very best he's completely out of touch like that yes. is kind of the best case scenario and i say this is someone who i really admired sandy alderson for a long time i think i my enthusiasm about his past has also dimmed somewhat but i do think he helped this organization when they needed something um But no, like he's got his hands all over this stuff and it's a mess and I'm done with him. He's got to go.
2: Yep. Like he deserves immense credit for what he did for the 2015 Mets. Absolutely. Huge. He
0: made that team.
2: The the cesspitous trade, everything, the, the, the draftees of his who impacted that team. Absolutely. Like he deserves immense credit for that. But as Maggie said, the kindest interpretation you can give at this point is that baseball has passed him by. And we should, you know, Progress is good and we should, you know, um, embrace that. Um, Baseball has passed him by. This culture has passed him by and the Mets need to pass him by too.
1: One of my Twitter followers theorized to me, which I think actually hit the nail on the head is Sandy is always interested in the best deal and maybe not the best players.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Yeah, so it's like he has.
0: I mean, he's he wants to be the smartest organization. Yeah, not the winningest organization. Yes, necessarily.
2: Which then you are not the, regardless of you know, all the cultural problems, which are actually a bigger problem for me than these other problems. But then, regardless of these cultural problems, you're not the right man to to. Be at the helm for the team in this era, then. Because the idea of this era of Mets is that we don't have to be necessarily smart about money anymore to win. That was a Will Pond strategy. He was maybe the right guy for the Will Ponds, but he's not the right guy for Cohen.
0: And on the contrary, way to win, especially now when every team, you know, when you've got the Cubs, a gazillion dollar organization with this huge, spectacular, successful core that they have absolutely stripped bare, decimated that entire team, not retained anybody, really. Um, You know, sometimes the smart move is to spend money because that's what can separate you from your opponents. That's what nobody else is doing efficiently is like going out and just spending the money. Right. And the...
2: The last thing that I'll say about this, about the Kumar Rocker debacle is that the, the person other than, obviously the Mets deserve a lot of grief for fucking up this draft and we have given them that and they deserve every bit of it. Um, and you, know, like you can say what you want to say about Scott Boris and the role he played in this situation, but the person who should, the entity, I should say, not person, the entity that should not escape blame For this Kumar rocker situation is Vanderbilt University, and the exploitation of these teenagers by the NCAA and by you know these universities that should not be a story untold here because you know it Vanderbilt notoriously is known for you know they are known for producing great athletes but they are also known for
0: abusing their athletes
2: as far as their work.
0: It should be unheard of for a 21-year-old to arrive in Major League Baseball needing Tommy John surgery or yeah. needing whatever the hell it is that Kumar Rock...
2: Or, like, does. having TOS or, like, whatever apple overuse injury. And it happens
0: here. all the time. And there's no, you know, there's no union for these guys. They have no real protection mcaa is not protecting them um (laughs) and not getting paid (laughs) yeah and so there's there's nothing to stop these schools from just running these guys raw and it's it's wrong and it has to stop because it's having i mean kumar rocker is one of many but hopefully high profile enough that it can at least get the conversation started about how we can have some oversight the way these colleges use their players.
1: Well, they're so easy to be taken advantage of, too. Like this is your dream. Of course, you're going to trust your school and be like, "This is what yeah. you got to do to achieve your dream." It's like, okay, like you've well, built like, what's other even major the alternative? Like, yeah, what's the
0: other option?
1: Yeah, you can't say no. Right.
0: And like, this
2: is. And for this is not the case for Kumar Rocker because he is lucky enough to have generational wealth given who his father is. But for many of these guys, this is the chance to, you know, help their families okay, out of terrible situations or like, you know, just like have their families just be set for life. Like this is, the, this is the way that they achieve that. And so of course they're gonna, you know, do what they need to do because the, you think like, this is the way I can become you know, a millionaire is if I do this instantly. And I, that is why, I mean, it's, it's an even bigger problem in like basketball and football. And this is why baseball often loses a lot of talented athletes to the other major sports, because those guys make their money right away, instantly, right out of the draft. Whereas baseball, you get your big signing bonus. Sure. Like Kumar rocker would have gotten $6 million. That's awesome. You get that right away but it takes a while for them to make the major leagues and hopefully make a major league salary. Um, and it takes an and even course, longer time for them to get paid in free
0: agency. The real and bucks. bonus babies are relatively rare. The right. majority, vast majority of draftees are barely making enough to like, you know, keep their heads above water during their minor league career.
2: And of course we've talked extensively about how minor league players are treated um, on this podcast. Um, And that is, you know, another topic for another day, which that continues to develop, by the way, and is starting to get finally, finally, some more national media attention. Finally, there are like some ESPN articles about this. The Angels organization in particular was called out. Um, In an ESPN article, but it let's not pretend that that is what is described in that article is unique Um, because, you know, they've talked again about players sleeping in cars, about players having, you know, full blown mental health crises because of the financial strain that they are going through. Um, And that should not happen. That should not happen when it costs, you know, when it costs how much it would have cost the Mets to sign Kumar Rocker is how much it would cost to pay their entire system
1: a living wage. So, well, they could also do both. Yeah.
2: I mean, you can do both. Yeah.
1: Was it 12 million?
2: Yep. That's a drop in the bucket for Steve Cohen. Like, like I again, said, that is one piece of art
0: for Steve Cohen.
1: Yeah, Steve Cohen's $91 million bunny. I hope he's enjoying that in his foyer right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it would look much better as a trophy. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he would clear out
2: some space <laughs> in his foyer and <laughs> yeah, the bunny journey. goes
1: in the basement after that
2: <laughs> Yeah. um so yeah it's just the kumar rocker situation is just it's inexcusable what happened
1: it's inexcusable and, well, and it's, honestly this the entire front office needs to be overhauled like it's just so i know that, is zach's got interim is he official he's interim he's interim but, yeah then, he's yeah you don't get the permanent title i'm sorry buddy
2: yeah i mean they 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 were and probably still are setting up for that that was it was clear that you know zach scott in the aftermath of the jared porter situation um zach scott was named interim gm and he had been i think assistant gm under porter for the brief time that porter was gm um and it was clear that he was kind of setting up to be like, you know, Sandy Alderson was going to guide him during his first year and then maybe Sandy Alderson would step down and Zach Scott would take over full time. Well, Sandy Alderson still needs to step down, but uh, I think they just need somebody else entirely because this is, this is just a, this is a basic screw up that should not happen to any yeah, just major sloppy. league organization. Yeah, well,
1: Sloppy. I'm- and it's like, oh, we want to be Dodgers East. Well, Dodgers just traded for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Yep.
2: This is one way to not be Dodgers East. Yeah, by this fucking is Dodgers
1: East, Okay.
2: Yeah,
0: Dodgers
1: yeah. least. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm calling. That's what I'm
2: calling this podcast. Dodgers least. That's happening.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> Can't argue.
2: Nope. Can't argue with that. Like, you want to be Dodgers East don't do whatever the hell it is you're doing right now. It's just like, it's so freaking embarrassing because it's like the Mets, you can never like, lol, Mets will never die like nope. because they keep doing this shit. Like they keep being a clown shoes organization until you stop being a clown shoes organization. Lol Mets will never die. Because you think it's dying because you've got this new fancy pants, rich billionaire owner, richer than any other owner in the sport. And then you've got, you know, the Francisco Lindor extension, all this goodwill. Like that's all like that's all so exciting. But then they do shit like this and they remember they remind you that they're they're the goddamn Mets. And they never stop being the goddamn Mets.
1: And what's the point of having like an Uber rich owner if like we're not getting anything out of it?
2: I mean, basically, since the Lindor extension, they haven't really gotten. Anything
1: we can't out of even it. pay Kumar Rocker six million to take a risk on Kumar Rocker yeah. for six million.
2: Because they like maybe saw something, but he could probably pitch tomorrow, but just like not as good as we'd like.
1: Yeah, we yeah, they think I just he's... don't know who you think you're
0: getting. Yeah, pick eleven next year. Like, who who has who has secretly sent you the message that they are declaring for the draft, but only. For the eleventh, I don't. Know. I just, I can't.
2: I am sorry to whoever yeah, the right, Mets pick mind. eleven next year. Yeah. Um, unfair to that guy, but I yeah. will be watching him like a goddamn hawk, like I've never watched any other prospect in my life. Because if he's not a superstar, <laughs> then, uh, then then the Mets will get more of my ire because then <laughs> I, I got- will accept nothing less at this point. Because that is the only way that you can accept this fuck up is if future, you a future 11, 11 next
0: year yeah. your future, future 11, 11 pick, pick i would just like to tell you it's not personal it's no. not
2: personal no i'm pressure. sure you're a very good guy but if you're not as good as david Wright, then
1: <laughs> then this is over Or jacob de <laughs> yeah
2: like that is that is
1: the level that i'm expecting now
0: that's all we ask
1: well they've said that Get they not want to Zach. sign him <laughs> because they didn't like his long-term outlook. What pitcher has a good long-term outlook? Like seriously, I just, that's
2: that's yeah, that's the other kind of part and when of that. do you Toscano- have a magic
1: ball? To see what's going to happen to this kid in four years or That's five years. That's the other years. part of
2: that, like snippet from that Toscano article, and the same snippet where it said that they could pitch tomorrow. Like they kind of like basically insinuate, "We don't like his long-term outlook." It's like, what like models are you using to predict ten years out for pitchers? Like, what are you? And since about?
0: when have since when have teams been thinking about a ten-year outlook for pitchers? Anyway,
2: yeah, like, you might as well never if that is your risk assessment like framework. You're just never drafting anyone, let alone a pitcher.
1: we like, <laughs> yeah. or well trading draft for anyone. anybody, or signing anybody. Is that why it took them so long to sign Lindor? Well, year nine, he might not be the same player, so we can't pay him money. Like,
2: we're shutting down Jacob Degrom again. We don't like his long-term outlook.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like that's literally every player who plays baseball. Players break.
2: Any pitcher's MRI is going to look like a goddamn Christmas tree. Yeah. Every pitcher. So I don't know. Like, again, keep saying Mets must have seen something really bad worse than that. Maybe but maybe not if they're just saying we don't like his long-term outlook because the MRI looks like every other it, 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 probably looks very similar to Jacob Degrom's MRI right now. <laughs> probably. Probably put them next to each other. <laughs> Management is asking us to <laughs> asking choose to between to, these two pictures. Choose, they're the same picture. <laughs> they're the same picture. <laughs> like,
0: I... but again, if it's just that like typical ridiculous Vanderbilt, you know, esque. um, where and Tara, then how did they not, how did they even get started in this? How did they even, how did they even draft this guy in the first place? What were they, what
1: were yeah, they You thinking? could have chose not to sign him. Like if you we were that worried, You could have drafted lone. anyone else. Yeah. yeah. If there other were other teams, players on the board at that there point. There were N minus 10
0: players available.
2: <laughs> there were, yeah, there were N minus 10 players and several good ones too. Like other ones that dropped to that level that people did not expect. Like those, there were two like really, I don't remember their names. I'm sorry. Again, from Complex to Queens, please listen to them. They know better than us. They've probably named these guys by name. But there were two like major shortstops. On the draft, uh, and I know, like, you don't draft for need, so the Mets don't need a shortstop. You don't draft for need.
0: Everyone needs a shortstop.
2: Everyone needs a shortstop. So there were two, like, really big shortstops, and I think at least one of them was still on the board when the Mets. it the the guy that um, the guy that the Nationals literally drafted right after the Mets was another guy who like fell like further than everybody thought, and I obviously like. Like I was like thinking at the time, oh my God, the Nationals are draft right after the Mets. Knowing us, they are going to draft Kumar Rocker. Like he's going to be on the, on the table for the Mets still, but the Mets are going to pass on him. The Nationals are going to draft him. He's going to be a star. Now I'm just like, oh, whoever that guy, the Nationals did draft is actually the guy that's going to be a star now. And I'm also fully expecting like Rocker to be drafted next year by some team and for him to be awesome. And it's probably going to be an NL East team too.
0: That's, that's what we want. And deserve. I want it.
2: It's what the Mets deserve. I hope our yeah. rocker's a star for the goddamn Phillies because the Mets deserve it. The Mets have deserved every Zach Wheeler shutout this year.
0: <laughs> oh, Zach Wheeler. I miss him so much. He's going to win the Cy Young Award,
2: folks. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh. Guess who's the favorite for the Cy Young Award mm. now that Jacob DeGrom's not going to qualify? It's Zach Wheeler. And he deserves it, too. He the does. Mets deserve the pain of having Zach Wheeler win the Cy Young Award for the Philadelphia Phillies they could have had him everything. for nothing but money yep yep awesome we love wouldn't him. be
0: complaining about trading for rich hill if, find <laughs> if we had we had zach
2: wheeler yeah folks imagine imagine the uh the difference in the situation that the mets are in right now if uh zach wheeler's in our rotation
1: Aww.
0: oh well
2: you we know. miss you zach any who's will be we will end the show. <laughs> I've, copied, I've, I've copied Any Who's Will Be from uh, another podcast that I really enjoy called The Dollop, which everyone should check out. It's a Oh, can you podcast. say it one more time?
0: I, I keep missing some of the middle syllables. Any Who's Will Be. Any Who's Will Be. Okay.
1: I can yeah. but, that is fun.
2: Yeah. It's from, uh, yeah. One of the two guys who hosts The Dollop is always using that. Um, so I've, I, I've picked it up in my vernacular by osmosis. But any who's will be. Um, we will end the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week?
0: Um, I'm technically cheating because I'm going back a little more than a week, but I wasn't here last week. That is um, totally Because acceptable. I was on vacation, <laughs> and I could have chosen any one of a thousand things from that vacation, but I have to choose how we got there. Um, we took an overnight Amtrak train to Chicago with like sleeper berths and like the porters came and, you know, set them up for us and like a hot dinner from the dining car was delivered to our rooms like it was um It was great. It was so much fun. I bet Tommy
2: was on the moon.
0: Oh my God. I mean, look, there's a reason that we did it that way, and it's not (laughs) for the cost savings. But uh, no, I mean, he had, and that was, you know, it was almost like that was just sort of the assumption like, okay, Thomas will love this. But everyone else had a great time also, which I think is kind of the better measure of how great the trip was and like it was it's a beautiful beautiful route going up along the Hudson oh. you know, we, and um and then kind of bending around going under the the you know going across western New York and under the the Great Lakes it was just it was just a beautiful ride there was something extremely nice about like the gentle rocking and light white noise of um of a train while you're going to sleep. Like that is an A plus way to fall asleep. Um, I can't say that uh, having your four-year-old squeeze into your bunk with you is the best way. Cause that did not <laughs> go well, but that's fine. I, she fell asleep soon enough. I got out of there soon enough. Back into my own bunk. They are very small. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's, I am really excited to do it again. Like, I think, I don't know when we'll be able to, but I, I, Definitely don't want that to be my last overnight train trip. Um, and I would definitely recommend it to pretty much anyone. Good times.
1: In fact, it does look cool. I've always debated about it.
2: Yeah, it really does look cool. I've never done it, but it sounds really
1: fun. So, is it less yeah. stressful than going through the airport? I mean, yeah,
0: because you don't have to like get there, you know, two and a half hours early and go through a bunch of and be like oh is my shampoo bottle three ounces or four ounces or whatever it is like you just walk in and get on the train and then you have like four times as much space as you ever do on an airplane um and then you have walls between you and the other people (laughs) so is it like
1: like a little like like a hotel so we, room. Or? So there's
0: a there's a couple of different options, and we went for the most cost effective, the roomette, which is certainly heavy on the et, but um, <laughs> it it's basically like a like two roomy seats facing each other with a little table, um, and then those two seats will kind of fold out into the bottom bunk, and then the top bunk comes it gets lowered down from the ceiling. So if you imagine two roomy seats facing each other, that is really the whole room. Um, and we had two of them kind of across the, the hallway from each other. Um, so it's, it is definitely, I think a roommate is a great way to put it because it is quite snug, but, you know, compared to most other travel situations, it's still pretty nice. And just being able to, like, close the door. This is the other thing is, you know, when we bought these tickets, we didn't know what the situation would be like now. And as it is now, I am definitely glad that we weren't sitting, you know, surrounded by a bunch of potential Delta havers for <laughs> all that time. And, I mean, we did fly to get back. Um, and I didn't love it. <laughs> but, yeah. like, you know, and the other thing is, to be able to close the door and then take masks off is nice.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: I am like extremely pro mask in all situations, pretty much, but even I do like to remove my mask at times. Um, and so being able to do that was really nice. And like the food was good. The food was, I mean, included, which, you know, I don't know any airlines typically doing hot meals anymore, but it was better than most airplane food I've had. I had one really good British Airways meal once that I can't, so I can't say better than all airplane food, but like, like really solid options there. And like a nice breakfast spread and yeah. Oh, and the booze was included too.
1: Oh, I was
0: yes. like, I'll take, I was like, I'll take a gin and tonic. And they were like, no problem. I was like, do I give you my credit card? And they're like, no, it's included. So okay, Sold, awesome. sold <laughs> yeah.
2: now. Yeah. Sold, right?
0: But anyway, so I would say like it is it is a little spendy, but if, if you're just going two people, it would then you know, you'd only need one room and that would be easier. And I would say like definitely, you know, if you want the experience, you should get the room because I, I don't know that sleeping in a like leaned back. Just regular commuter seat would be quite as pleasant as having the nice bunk all made up with. Oh, the top bunk has, like, its own window. Oh, it's so beautiful.
1: So what's the bathroom situation like? Okay, so the bathroom situation is very weird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. You just
2: open the window and...
0: (laughs) Stick it out. No, so each car does have, like, a shared, pretty typical train-type bathroom. And there is also, not that we use them, but there is some sort of a shower facility involved. Um, But you also have, in the room is a toilet and a sink. And the toilet has like a very table-like lid that closes and, you know, is clearly intended to be used as like surface area. Um, But yeah, so you have to, um, you have to, you know, whoever's traveling with you, you have to know them very well or be willing (laughs) to like, you know, step out for one another or whatnot um it was actually for kids it was great because the last thing you want to be doing is dragging your kids up and down you know the the train aisle you know right before bed or whatever it is like as soon as as soon as they saw that we had a bathroom like each of them immediately peed like eight times in the next hour (laughs) necessitating (laughs) like closing the the curtains and all that but like you know kids just have six cents for that kind of thing but um so it's like it's a, it's a little weird having a bathroom within a two-person space but it was also actually pretty convenient given our relationships to one another <laughs> so um so I liked it but it's I've never seen that before that's yeah very so fun. that's I I would definitely recommend it um you know I kind of feel like I kind of feel like if I wasn't careful this could just become my main way of traveling around the country because it's just really very pleasant.
1: Yeah. Well, and
0: you get to see the country that way. Yeah. yeah. And it is and it is so beautiful. Um Noted. Yeah,
2: noted for when Michael and I go to Chicago next summer.
0: Um if you uh, let me know if y'all do because I will definitely tell you like which train we took and yes, other advising things there because that was was the exact that was the exact route that we took we took the train to Chicago and it's I will keep you
2: updated we really want to go um when the Mets uh play the Cubs next year
0: in Chicago so that would be our trip
2: Um, yay
0: so yeah I'll keep you updated but anyway but yeah so that was my walk-off win love Amtrak go
1: infrastructure (laughs) infrastructure spending maybe next up like the high-speed trains that Europe has maybe yeah it's it's
0: probably gonna be more likely to come in like more like geographically tight spaces like the northeast corridor or um like the california lines but yes high speed definitely need some of that
1: yes
2: yes please um so linda i have a feeling that we have the same (laughs) walk-off win so what is Mm -hmm. your walk-off win for this week
1: um I walk up window like as I said last week I've been like Mets ignorance bliss since the Olympics are on so I've been not paying attention like I know what's going on obviously but I haven't watched the games which is really good for my mental health um but the one game I did watch was Saturday because I was at the game um and obviously it was the Edgardo Alfonso um Matlack. I, like, got
2: emotional, which I wasn't expecting.
1: I did, too! Like, even, like, you know, we were down the third baseline, and all of a sudden, the crowd starts cheering, and I was like, who's out there? Who's out there? Because it was when all the, like, the dignitaries are walking out, and then we, like, scream, it's Mikey! Like, Piazza's, like, just so, um, so noticeable, and to see Reardonias and Alfonso together again, like, really touched me, and I think Vaz tweeted a picture of like them on a big screen together and he said like this was the best duo we've ever had and then i was like yeah like they they were magic together and i think even Fonzie said that in his speech
2: yeah he said that he like made him better
1: yeah made his job easy (laughs) made his job easy yeah and then um and how he was mad when <laughs> he had to move off short when they signed yes <laughs> um, but Fonzie was always one of my favorite players.
2: Mine too, um, easily.
1: It, yeah, he just did. Uh, I don't. People today, I don't think realize just how special of a player he really was. Like, just did everything well. Just. Um, always worked the count, always was clutch, always, you know, solid in every position he played. He played short, he played second, he played third. um And then and they didn't even mention that he coached the Cyclones to a championship. Yeah, like,
2: right? And then like, like, he mm-hmm. was fired by the fired for Mets it. for no reason. Yeah. Probably by
1: Sandy Alderson. Probably. Yeah, probably. Like, what could he possibly have possibly done wrong? They won the freaking championship, but. I, this is supposed to be a happy walk-off win, um, so and then of course it was also Bias's first game, and I went um with my sister who hasn't been at a game this year, and so she was really upset um because she really wanted to see Diaz, and you know they were losing for most of the game, and then we were also annoyed because Villar got picked off second and Bias's home run should have been that
2: was so i mean like i obviously like we don't mm. care about it now yeah but ooh, oh at the we time, were so man, that was bad because the bias home run should have been game tying home
1: game tying Oh, and the class i mean everybody chanting javi 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 and um there were oh. people in my section with um with a puerto rican flag and then they were like calling over to him, and he like turned and waved to them. So they're like, oh, that was cool. Like oh, he actually nudged awesome. them. And um, so it was nice that, you know, he got welcomed and got a big hit in his uh his first game. And then Dom got the big hit in the ninth to tie it up uh, off Doolittle. I was like, do not bring Doolittle in. He's got reverse splits. Dom's got reverse splits. And uh, the
2: Reds have not read
1: up on uh, Dominic Smith's
2: uh... Uh, numbers against left-handed pitching this
1: year. And the last time I saw Sean Doolittle in person, he was also giving up a game-time bomb to Todd Frazier. (laughs) It's like there's just something about Citi Field and poor Sean Doolittle. (laughs) We love you, Sean, but sorry, you're the opposite. Keep pitching against the Mets, please. Yeah, Yeah, please. Um, And then, so my sister really wanted to hear Narco, so she wasn't paying attention. And then Like, I see the bullpen door open. I'm like, hey, girl, I'm like, this is it. This is it. They're bringing him in. (laughs) So then, yes, so we got to see. Is here, narco see mr and mrs met with the trumpets and then after diaz was shaky like he like completely turned it around and i was, was gonna say out.
2: like he started off in it, but he had a great inning and i <sighs> like you know it was it was kind of the type of environment that diaz has not been good in this year yeah. like it was a tie game and not a save situation Save situation yeah. and the runner was on second base and he walked jesse winker and you were like oh no and no. then there was the
1: wild pitch, too, with the there runner on first. There was a wild pitch, too, but he looked sharp. I was floored. I was like, he struck out Votto. Well, Votto never strikes out. He struck out Votto. It was I was great. like, you've yeah. got to be kidding me. When he struck out Votto, I was like, okay, you can get through this inning, so please don't, like, give up a random hit to, like, I think it was Naquin or something. I was like, you got through the tough part, don't do this, man. And I'm pretty sure it was an hit, like a liner, but it was right to Pilar. Like he hit it, and I scream no! And then like <laughs> it's right to Pilar, come down. <laughs> um, and then of course, Drury got the got the walk off win um, in the in the bottom of the tenth. So it was just like the perfect night, like seeing Fonzie, seeing Baez's first. Um, Well, first hit, first home run, first RBI. Um, First
2: everything. First everything.
1: First strikeout, first fielding play. (laughs) Yep. Um, First game, first home game. So, and then I bought my Mets unicorn. Uh, It was my mission. Because I don't know if you saw my tweet a while ago, how there was one of the girls in my story time said her mom bought her a Mets unicorn at at the game. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa.
1: Mets a Mets unicorn. There is a Mets unicorn, wow. and I made it my mission to find this Mets unicorn. After this girl said her mom bought her one, <laughs> did you, and you found it. Yes, I did. It was in oh the my team God. store in the rotunda.
0: Okay, I'm gonna look for it. Yeah. I have a I have a unicorn fan, so
1: oh yeah,
2: and also like I don't know, slight suggestion get two because.
1: Dollars for Dinger's raffle item.
0: There we
1: go. Yes. Well, I did get two because then I gave one to my sister for my niece. So <laughs> so m- plenty of Mets unicorns were bought because of this little girl. Um, so yeah, just a perfect night. Um, and I'm five and zero oh at games this year. And it was just all perfect Damn, baseball girl- weather too. Oh, oh the it was weather was a-
2: so nice.
1: It was just it was perfect. I know the Mets are frustrating, but uh when they're when they're on, it really is magic. I just wish there was more of it.
2: I know. That was such a fun game on Saturday. My walk off wins obviously the same as Linda's. I don't have much to add. It was such a fun game. Um and you know, Michael and I are three you know at City Field this year. We're not um undefeated in games period just at city field I will i'm say. two
0: and oh oh
2: whoa apato is a combined oh. nine and oh
0: i don't know if we get to because one of those games we were all at. yeah oh, true. that's true oh yeah. we don't yeah. we get to, count to double that count. three times but regardless i mean apato is undefeated because yeah, yeah we, we are
2: we're undefeated as a group at city field oh man damn that's wow. that's awesome
0: that is got to awesome. figure out a way to like Work this to our advantage.
2: Yeah, we got to talk offline about this.
0: Yeah. Um, Steve, Steve Cohen, put that $6 million to work. Buy
1: us all please. the tickets.
2: Yeah, that's yes. a good way you can use that $6 million you just saved. So I'll um, make
1: that sacrifice. I'll go to games.
2: Yeah, I, I, I volunteer as tribute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, all uh, Michael and I have been to many Mets losses this season, but they've all come out of waste stadiums. Um, namely, uh, Nats Park. <clears throat> Uh, hopefully that'll change. We're going again in September because the Mets are playing the Nats in D.C. Labor Day weekend. My parents are going to come down um, but, and the Nats are very much extremely not the team they were the last time the Mets played them. So, yeah, right. um, so hopefully maybe our luck will change in that regard. Although
1: tell them about that. that five to four was it five to four. Oh, yes.
2: I, yes, yes. I will. T- I will say the stat, um, cause that tweet got quite a lot of attention, but I, it, it's funny cause it's like, I feel like dirty getting attention for this tweet that it wasn't even a, a, a factoid that I found out on my own. Um, so at on, on City Vision at one point, you know how on the big scoreboard, they'll show like fun facts throughout the game. And most of the time they're like really dumb things like J.D. Davis hits 258 in day games. And you're like, thanks. Um, but this one, <laughs> this one was actually- hey, I would find that interesting. <laughs> I know you would. Um, but it's like, you know, like really like, you know, like mundane facts. <laughs> most of the time you're just kind of like, OK, Thanks. Um, but this one was actually pretty weird. So I, at one point it was like uh, the Mets were still losing. I think it was before the bias homer. I don't remember if it was before or after the bias homer, but I know the Mets were still losing. They showed a factoid that said every time, every start that Wade Miley has started at city field has ended with a score of five to four. And I was like, that's really weird. And then later on, like after the mets tied it up when they went in, they tied it up thanks to dominic smith hit the game tying single um, and then as they headed into the bottom of the 10th my dad turned to me and he said 5 to 4 and i was like oh shit wait at that point it was 4 to 4 and the mets were going to bat in the bottom of the 10th and the mets walked it off and the final score was five to four another way
0: they got the five yeah yes, the, Mets got the, five. Yes. the Mets
2: the Mets have not gotten the five in all the way Miley starts worth noting it's not that it's been every five to four Mets win although I think uh I'm trying to remember someone replied to my tweet with what the total sample size was I think it's four or five starts now is the total sample size of it which is not a huge sample size obviously but it's
0: still like big enough to be weird yeah. Um, like that is a complete statistical oddity. Um, but I like think- as a data person, if I saw that, I'd be like, huh. And I go back yeah. and double check it.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to find <laughs> like how, like, cause someone replied with the sample size and then someone else like replied with how many, um, of them, the Mets have won. And I think they've won. Like, I think it might've been like, if it was five of them, that's one, three, the Mets won more than they lost. Yeah. So I had to look this up. Three starts for Wade Miley. So the one that, w- that Linda and I were at was start number four. Um, at City Field prior to last night, 2012, 2013, and 2015, all three games ended 5-4. The only, team we'll his, the, the only time his team won was 2012. He got a no decision in all four starts.
1: Huh. Wow. That's so weird. So the Mets you know won what?
2: three out of four of them. And bound to
0: happen the, sooner or later.
2: The score was five to four. So that's kind of wild. That's like a really weird factoid that continued to be true um, in Saturday Night's game.
1: Although I also, I don't know if you saw, but it was kind of, I started laughing how when they bought their, it was, I think it's their closer. I don't know much about the Reds. Um, Heath Hembree. Yeah, when they bought Hembree in, they had his face on the big screen and said the Reds have blown 20 saves. Oh my God, I know. Yikes. I saw that
0: and I
1: was like, ouch. ouch. And <laughs> we're like, let's make it 21, baby. Let's they go. Put it, and they
2: put it right next to Heath Hembree's face too. Please. Like he's like, it's his fault. Cause I don't I think know. like, it's clear Heath Hembree by himself has not blown 20 not blown. saves. Um,
0: but he- like, close to
2: it I know I know they the Reds I mean Linda to answer your question like I don't Heath Henry might might have been their closer for the moment but like Keith Henry has not been their closer all year like they've done think so their bullpen's been so bad that they've done like closer by committee I mean I think to start the year Amir Garrett was their closer because yeah you know he was good last year he's been like one of their best relievers for a couple years now but um he's been awful this year like dreadful um so along with the rest of their bullpen so I think they just like have various dudes close and they I mean They acquired Doolittle and they uh, they acquired or they got him in the offseason. Then they acquired a couple guys um, at the deadline. One of them being, um, oh, my God, Luis Sessa from the Yankees. They also got Justin Wilson, former Met. Um, So the Reds like the Reds. You know, are competitive because they they have a similar record to the Mets. They're much further out in their division as a result of that because the Brewers are leading. the The much have a much better record uh, than anyone in the NL East. Um, but they're you know only like four games out of the
1: wild card or whatever.
2: So the Reds bought at the deadline mostly relief pitching. So
1: yeah, and Luis Sessa, it was kind of weird. Like on the day, the anniversary, they traded. Or if something like it came full circle, like they traded Cespedes for Sessa, and then the Mets walked off against Sessa, like there was something it came full circle, but I don't know exactly how, but it somehow did, right? From like the Cespedes to Sessa pipeline, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) On Saturday.
2: So in summary, mine and Linda's walk-off win a Saturday's game because the Mets walked off and it was just like the perfect night all around. Just like really fun. Um, we got to see each other um, and Vaz, uh, which was awesome. Um, and, you know, it was, just, it was just a fun night all around. Perfect baseball weather. Really good baseball game. Javier his first game. Like, what's not to love about that? Um, so, yeah. Um well, while you're waiting for the next the the next Mets walk-off win which might take a while um at the rate they're going you can go to amazonavenue.com check out all of our fantastic content like i mentioned you should really really check out from complex to queens all the time but especially right now because they probably talked a lot more about kumar rocker and Be have been able to give more, you know, astute analysis of the draft than we can. So, if you want to hear like much more detail about the draft and Kumar Rocker, you should check them out. But you should check out all of Amazing Avenue's fantastic content. I have weekly meters for you guys, we have morning news posts every day. Um, I think I think a Thomas Rage post about the Mets trading deadline might be incoming. Um, we'll see. Um, so yeah, you can check all of that out at AmazingAvenue.com. You can follow Amazing Avenue on uh, all the social medias: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AmazonAvenue. Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can email the show at gmail.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie?
0: at maggie162
2: please um rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice and subscribe to it it really helps people find the show the original intro and outro music to this podcast is by bunga let's go mets and don't forget there is no crying in podcasting